Chapter 9 Achieving Total Wellbeing It's never too late to rebuild a healthy life. It's fun to be fit, to eat right and to discipline yourself to do these things. Do them for 30 days, says Dr. Maxwell Maltz, author of Psycho-Cybernetics, and they become a habit that's harder not to do on the 31st day than it is to do. Most addictions are considered bad, but try to addict yourself to good habits. Create what Dr. William Glasser calls positive addictions. With good diet and exercise and the positive attitude that stems from that commitment will come a new sense of well-being. Small illnesses will disappear and big ones diminish. Instead of having to focus so much energy on keeping well, on maintaining health, it will become second nature. Once we wake up to new levels of physicality, we wake up to new levels of emotionality, new levels of mentality, new levels of spirituality, and on and on. Anytime we discipline one area of our lives, it cascades through all the other areas. Good health not only leads to a feeling of well-being, but also allows us to maintain a balance in our entire lives. What is total well-being? Total well-being can be defined as pursuing appropriate goals in all areas of our life. With regard to health, it's staying within our ideal body weight, experiencing sound nutrition, maintaining a systematic physical fitness program, using stress reduction techniques, having the sense of play in our outlook on life, learning how to increase our longevity and giving ourselves the reward of high-level freedom from pain. What do you want? We're not going to change our diet and add exercise to our regimen unless we see immediate personal benefits. So to begin, decide exactly what you want from it. Here are some suggestions. Do you want a trimmer, flatter stomach? Rippling, well-defined muscles? Freedom from smoking, drinking or drugs? A lower heart rate? A lower cholesterol level? A lower fat intake? A body in better condition? more flexibility, a much better internal feeling. We all want one or more of the above. So what are you waiting for? What is the definition of well-being for you? Close your eyes and visualize your highest level of well-being. Write out what you see, feel and believe about wellness for you. Choose at least one personal goal for enhanced well-being per month. Write it out on a card. Carry it in your pocket. Next year money. Review it daily. Meditate on the idea, working back from the desired end result. Ask yourself, is what I'm doing today, now, moving me closer to the accomplishment of my desired objective? One psychiatric stress expert said, with regard to well-being, there are only two principles. One, don't sweat the small stuff. And two, everything is small stuff. Measuring your health. There are many health measurements that can be taken by a physician to help determine how well you are. The following five, which you can do for yourself, will give you a good clue. Before embarking on any fitness program, of course, you should check with a physician and get his or her approval. Point one, what is your resting heart rate? The lower it is, the better it is. Olympic athletes average as low as 36 beats per minute. Take your pulse at your neck, wrist or behind your knee. Ask a friend to help instruct you if you've never done it. 
For each of us, there is a first time and no need for embarrassment. Use a clock or watch with a sweeping second hand. There will be less room for error. Count your pulse beats for 6 seconds and multiply by 10. That's your heart rate. If your pulse rate is 7 beats in 6 seconds, multiply times 10, 70 beats a minute, which is average. The goal is to lower that rate, enabling yourself to live longer and healthier because the heart doesn't have to work as hard. The best time to discover your resting pulse rate is just after a good night's rest, upon awakening and before getting out of bed. Most people are in the 60 to 90 range. If you're above 80 beats a minute and haven't visited a physician in the last year, go at once. Point 2. What is your recovery rate? Recovery heart rate is the number of minutes it takes you to get back to a resting heart rate after aerobic exercise, whether it be 1, 2, 10, 15 or 20 minutes. The faster you recover, the more fit you are. Good aerobic teachers check their students to make sure they know and use all the common heart rate measurements. You should make sure you learn from a pro. It could save your life or someone else's. Point 3. What is your percentage of body fat? Dr. David Starr, an Olympic sports medicine chiropractor, says the definition of desirable weight is the weight at which we feel well, look well, are alert and resist fatigue and infection. He says we are overweight when we are 10% above our desirable weight. A more accurate method is to determine the actual percentage of our body that is fat. The ideal for women is 23% and for men 15% body fat. Covert Bailey, author of Fit or Fat, is at the leading edge of this approach. He does underwater immersion at his seminars to maximize the accuracy of body fat testing. Similar tests are now done in traveling mobile units at YMCA's health clubs and universities. Occasionally, doctors and nutritionists use a caliper to test body fat. Lay people do the pinch and inch test for obesity. If you can pinch an inch or more of fat around your abdomen on the bottom of the triceps when the arm is bent skyward like a right hand turn signal or on your back under the scapula when your arm is bent behind your back as in a wrestler's hammerlock, you're too fat. Being overweight is a serious problem. At Oral Roberts University, students are suspended if they are unfit and go above the range of their ideal body fat. We visited that campus and the Ken Cooper Aerobics Center at 5.30pm on a Friday night and were amazed to find it packed with students, faculty and guests using all the facilities to the maximum, playing basketball, volleyball, swimming, running and weightlifting. It was an inspirational experience to observe. Point 4. How flexible are you? Can you comfortably touch your toes, do deep knee bends and sit in yoga postures? To find out, gently and slowly try doing these things. If you find they are difficult or impossible to do, don't panic. No matter what your age, you can gently and progressively stretch and loosen yourself again. Point 5. What is your fun level? We all need play, laughter, whimsy, spontaneity, in other words, fun in our lives. Are you getting enough? 
Fun constitutes exercise not only for body but for the mind as well. Laughter alone can give us a whole body exercise and it can both relieve tension and revitalize us. The late Dr. Norman Cousins in his two books Anatomy of an Illness and the Healing Heart demonstrates how he was pulled back from death by laughter with some help from vitamin C. If we have excellent attitudes then our lives will be filled with joyous laughter. If they aren't then it's something we've got to work on. Count how many times a day you have fun in one way or another. If you can count 10 separate incidents you're doing great. If it's less than 10 you're deprived. You need to lighten up, be less serious and spend more time having a good time. Getting fit. If you take the above tests and find that you need some improvement, then the good news is that you're in the majority. Everyone wants to get fit, but somehow most of us never quite make it. If that's your problem, then here's a solution. It's a formula to feel fit inside so it shows outside. Try it and you'll never let yourself go. Get into exercising. Dr. George Shehan, the guru of runners and author of Running and Being, is a 70-plus-year-old cardiologist who promotes exercise. He says that it integrates the body and soul into a holistic feeling of total wellness. It is an act he feels that brings together work, play, love and religion. Fitness is imperative if we are to find ourselves, win self-respect and meet life's challenges. Quote, Man was not meant to be at rest. If fitness goes, can the mind be far behind? Unquote. Dr. George Shehan. Select an exercise program. The first step in getting fit is to select an exercise program. There are all sorts available and most are excellent. Pick and choose from walking, jogging, roller skating, aerobics. Watch Jane Fonda, Richard Simmons, Jack Lalanne or any of the other TV exercise gurus. Treadmills, cross-country skiing, jumping rope, Nordic track or even trampolining. one of the most effective exercise techniques according to the US Air Force exercise with someone else often it's possible to combine our exercise programs we both exercise and run with our wives and children we started jogging with our youngest children soon after their first birthdays with them strapped into our snugglies and later continued the practice pushing the kids ahead of us in a three wheels jogging cycle It's one of the more loving things you can do. Those of you who have spouses or sweethearts are encouraged to at least walk with that person half an hour a day for exercise. Apart from the health benefits to both of you, it will deepen the feeling of connection between you. If there isn't an exercise partner available, use your imagination to create one. When we are on the road and our energy is lackluster, occasionally we'll fantasize that we are running with our friends. with each other or with celebrities we admire it's possible even to have imaginary conversations that will help pick up your energy level as you run the ultimate exercise program however is to run with a group one of our clients recently got us enthused about the bay to breakers run in san francisco once a year roughly 125000 people run a marathon through the streets of downtown san francisco out to the pacific ocean imagine running with 125000 people
quote, get fit, then diet. Most people diet first, then exercise, unquote. Covert Bailey. Five days to fitness. Regardless of your program or with whom you do it, it's important to exercise at least three days a week for maintenance. But five days a week will keep you totally fit. In the beginning, it's best to exercise more often, but in small amounts, perhaps 10 minutes per session, twice a day, until you build up your muscles and stamina. Also do compensating exercise. If you feel like taking a shorter exercise one day, take a longer one the next. Aim for aerobic exercise. Aerobics is for the whole body. It means with air, oxygen in the lungs and blood vessels. Aerobics is steady, uninterrupted exercise, demanding muscular output for 20 minutes or more. The most noticeable benefits of aerobics are increased energy and an overall feeling of well-being. Four times a week or more, for 20 minutes or more a day, will develop a fit cardiovascular pulmonary system, leading to lifelong wellness. Quote, if marathoners finish, they win. Unquote. Dr. George Shehan. Alternative programs. If strenuous exercise is too difficult for you, try extended walks. If this can be done in a wilderness area, you'll get out of it both exercise and enjoyment of the beauty around you. Wilderness walks are especially therapeutic for anyone who's feeling depressed. If you can get away for a whole day or better yet, hike for several days on a path such as the Appalachian or John Muir Trail, you'll find it immensely invigorating. Extensive barefoot walks on the beach are also enormously beneficial. Periodically try to schedule time alone for walking in the woods or barefoot on the beach. Remember, whatever you look at is what you internalize. So choose to look for beauty or and excitement rather than ugliness, pain, and negativity. Do it regularly. Perhaps the most important part of your program should be its regularity, a daily regimen that supports your decision to get fit. The trouble is that most people say, I would exercise, but I don't have the time. That, of course, is hogwash. We are both about as busy as anyone we know, and we run five days a week, usually in different time zones. We place exercise at the top of our agenda. Just as in gaining prosperity, we need to take our profit out first. With fitness, we need to take our exercise out first from our daily schedule. If you have trouble rationalizing the importance of an exercise program in your daily schedule, just remember that every vital lifestyle and life agenda requires that we be totally fit and ready for anything. You could be in an auto crash. You could catch some disease. If you're fit, your chances of prevention are far higher. And so are your chances of survival and recovery. Remember, to achieve regularity in our exercise activities, we must give ourselves support in terms of good reasons for doing it. If the reasons are either inviting enough or threatening enough, we'll do it. The benefits of regular exercise include 1. You feel better. 2. You think better. 3. You perform better. 4. You're psychologically uplifted. 5. You lower your heart rate and blood pressure. 6. You reduce your cholesterol level. 7. You improve. Make the connection. Finally, associate your exercise program with your specific health goals. 
If your goal is to trim your waist, slowly increase your level of exercise until your waist goes down and always keep track of your pulse. Avoid overly strenuous exercise, but do enough to remove that extra poundage and keep it off. Quote, to replace fat with muscle, exercise longer, not harder. Unquote. Covert Bailey. Don't overexercise. Virtually any exercise will raise the heartbeat. This is desirable since it produces an aerobic effect that is valuable to our entire body. But we want to be careful not to overdo it. We don't want to get our heartbeat too high. Before starting any exercise, as we mentioned earlier, you should check with your physician for previously undiscovered illness or health risks. Once you start the program, you'll need to get your heartbeat up to a minimum level for the aerobic effect. One way you can use to arrive at that level is to subtract your age from 220 and multiply by 70%. This should equal the training effect. For example, 220 minus 40 is equal to 180 into 70% is equal to 126 beats per minute during 20 minutes of regular aerobic activity. Another useful technique is the torque test. The torque test for heartbeat is used to set your pace. If you can talk comfortably to your partner while you're exercising, your heartbeat is probably okay. If you're too out of breath to converse, you're probably exercising too hard. Don't overeat. It will take 30 minutes of moderate aerobic dancing to burn off 12 to 16 corn chips. If you run a 10 minute pace per mile for 40 minutes, you can have a hot fudge sundae and stay even. A slice of blueberry pie is going to cost you 30 minutes of racquetball, according to the new guide to fitness by Dr. David Starr. Being overweight is like having a knapsack of fat. A friend of ours, Pete Strudwick, once pointed out that if we are only one pound overweight and we run one mile, we've carried the equivalent of a ton of extra weight. The average American male weighing 180 pounds at age 30 has 15% body fat, an ideal percentage. If he still weighs 180 pounds by the time he reaches the age of 40, he will probably have 40% body fat. Does all this give you pause? It should. The counterbalancing force is a sensible diet as well as a program of regular exercise. Since most people become more sedentary as they grow older, they need not only to get more exercise but also to cut back further and further on calories as they maintain a balanced and moderate diet. The prototype older man, in our opinion, is Jack Lalanne. Early, he challenges a record. He still looks great, exercises two hours a day, eats perfectly, runs several profitable enterprises, including fitness centers, and has a popular TV show. Rethinking our ideas about food. When we are children, we were told to clean our plates. There were starving children in China, was the warning. But eating the plate clean never fed anyone but us. The point is that nearly all of us bring from childhood a program of compulsive eating. To diet, we need to reprogram, rethink, and refeel our way through food, meals, and nutrition. First, we need to ask ourselves, why am I eating? Is it because I'm really hungry? Or is it to satisfy something else? Perhaps an emotional need. Every time you eat, consider your hunger 
on a scale of 1 to 10 what is your emotion at the time what's your real reason for eating next we need to face facts with regard to calories too often we blame our excess weight on binges we feel that in general we eat a good diet but once in a while we binge and that's what adds weight to our bodies not true people who say after a holiday binge i gained 5 pounds over the weekend are either kidding themselves or don't know what they're talking about since 1 pound of fat represents 3500 calories of intake to gain 5 pounds would mean consuming 17500 calories over a single weekend impossible that gain came from a long term pattern of overeating remember if you eat an extra 100 calories a day over one year you will gain 10 pounds your body is like a bank that works on the basis of deposits and withdrawals finally we need to avoid the mindset that tells us we need to lose a lot of weight quickly remember if someone has a large weight loss in a short period of time it's mostly water loss to lose just 1500 calories a day requires one and a half hours of jogging at 6.5 miles per hour smart people start their diet at the supermarket you can't eat what you don't buy fat diets fat diets don't work statistics indicate that they are less than 5% successful they usually result in the ping pong effect we go on a diet and lose again gain it back and go on a diet again and so forth fat diets are usually the domain of professional dieters people who actually lose thousands of pounds in the course of a lifetime and gain them all back again medical science indicates that this can be extremely stressful and harmful to the body diuretics also result in an immediate loss of weight but it's all water the fat remains diet pills take off some weight too but their chances of causing harm usually outweigh any small benefit they may offer maintain it don't regain it the real objective is a sensible lifelong plan of diet and exercise remember it's much easier and more effective to maintain your good health than to regain it once it's lost If your stomach could talk to us chances are it would say i just digest it you eat it when we control our appetite we control our lives the trouble is that most of us allow our taste buds to control our eating and hence our lives the notion of a nutritious diet is defeated at every turn our top athletes and actors teach our kids to eat junk food on tv there are an estimated 7000 junk food commercials currently on the market even the heroes of our culture are involved bill cosby sells coca cola and jello while michael jordan hypes for mcdonalds eat a sensible well thought out diet one day at a time here are some tips on getting started decrease surplus food at meals don't snack at all it weakens discipline if you must snack avoid all high calorie snacks avoid socializing in eating areas except family dinner This will just stimulate your appetite. Avoid TV commercials. Most are about food. Avoid sugar, white flour and salt. Eat slowly. You'll get filled up in about 20 minutes regardless of how little you eat. Visualize your fitness many times each day. Imagine a picture of yourself at your ideal weight or better still, get a photo of yourself when you looked that way and review it at least 3 times daily. 
each time you start to eat something, imagine your ideal weight and ask yourself, will this help me to achieve and maintain my ideal weight? If the answer is no, don't eat it. Dr. David Starr says the overeating cycle goes from stress to compulsive eating and oblique or drinking to obesity to physical inactivity to more stress. It's a self-sabotaging cycle that only your decision, desire, determination and dedication can break. You create your own fitness. Your diet will quite literally determine the length and enjoyment of your life. Fat is the symptom of being overweight, not the cause. Work from the desired result. Remember, our lifelong objective is our total well-being, not just the absence of sickness and disease. Michael Wickett, a professional speaker, says, Let results be your guru. You know what you really believe, not by words, but deeds. If you say you want to lose weight, your subconscious believes only your activities, not your intentions. Are you thinking fit, eating less and exercising more? The truth of your belief is visible in the results. Affirm it. Here are a series of health affirmations that you can use to motivate yourself. Make a point of saying them often, particularly before, during and after exercise. 1. I'm responsible for my good health. 2. My daily habits create my good health. 3. I'm vibrantly healthy in spirit, mind and body. 4. I'm totally well and staying that way all the days of my life. 5. I feel totally alive and inspire others to feel the same way. Get a support system. Achieving wellness is a long road and it requires a considerable amount of support. Developing a support system along the way should be a prime consideration. You should look for fit friends who tell you that they are ready, willing and able to support you to the max. You should seek an attractive environment for your energized activities. Until you've got your own fitness story to tell, listen to others and improvise your own using your inner ear. In your mind, hear people telling you, you look great. You're a shadow of your former self. You look younger now that you've lost weight. Hear your MD say, you're at your ideal body weight with a perfect pulse rate. You're in perfect shape. It's a new you. Congratulations. It will delight you months in future when they actually say it to you. Only you will know you put the words in their mouths. Exercises in. If you still have any doubts, remember that in the 60s, it was estimated that less than 25% of the US population regularly engaged in strenuous physical activity. In the 90s, over 60% of Americans are involved in some kind of fitness program. It has become the fashionable thing to do, no matter what your age or sex. Sweat is in. So you couldn't be picking a better time to be getting into shape. You'll have lots of good company for many more years. Health healing. Everything we've said thus far relating to health has been preventive in nature. But sometimes we do get ill and then we need some other kind of treatment. Until the late 1970s, the only kind of treatment available for most of us was curative in nature. We would walk into a doctor's office and he or she would ask, what's your problem? As soon as we explained what it was, we'd be offered pills, shots or surgery. Now, however, 
there are other alternatives and one of them is health healing today around the world there are hundreds of thousands of people born with natural healing powers and the healing touch they are part of every race creed color or finances don't affect their natural ability the real loss is that many of us have the power to be natural healing channels yet we have never recognized or even tried our possible talent we encourage everyone to see if they have the gift of healing dr olga vorel now deceased was one of the greatest natural healers she said my research shows that everyone has some natural healing power and 5% of us have outstanding abilities if you are part of the 5% you were born to heal yourself and others real healers like eg ted fricker of london say i can heal skeptics unbelievers and those whose faith has been shattered by long bouts with disease you don't have to have any faith i have enough for both of us mark's experience i was appearing at a meeting in columbia missouri and the night before because of a back problem i couldn't sleep so at 6 o'clock in the morning i called for help i could barely move in the bed and every time i moved i had extraordinary pain through the kind services of one of the sponsors of the program i immediately got into see an orthopedic surgeon who did a whole series of tests took x-rays then came back and said you've got a degenerative disc in your spine at the very least you need to go into traction immediately but that probably won't work actually we should operate as soon as possible now i don't like invasive surgery so i asked for a second opinion the doctor said the only thing i can do for you is give you codeine to relieve the pain i talked with six other doctors with no more satisfaction i flew to new mexico for acupuncture i went to see a neurologist and orthopedist three chiropractors and every kind of back doctor and the diagnosis always seemed to be the same finally i took a few days off at my condo in hawaii and because i'm willing to experiment with almost anything that doesn't involve drugs or surgery a lady at our condo put me in touch with one of the high kahunas who do faith healing at our first meeting which was short he told me that i had to watch the sun go down and release every negative word thought and deed into the dying light this is similar to what christians call repentance i did and the next day he came back and gave me a deep structural massage which was similar to rolfing we got to talking about india and he asked me if when i was there i had heard about kundalini a yoga technique that involves taking very deep breaths to put one in concert with the energy of the universe i replied that i had heard of it he took me through an exercise in kundalini power it was a deep meditative trance he put me through controlled kundalini in and out and through my body and my spine and into my degenerative disc he said you'll see colors and you'll see it glow and then regrow the entire process took 6 hours when i was finished it was regenerated healed when new x-rays were taken they showed no degenerative disc the medical doctors couldn't believe it they said a disc can't regenerate once it's gone it's gone it was a medical miracle it really wasn't it's just that their version of the truth didn't apply in my case the medical model comes from curative rather than regenerative medicine 
I wanted to be healed. I believe I would be healed. So I was healed. Jack's experience. I was swimming with friends in a small pond in Western Massachusetts. As I was getting out of the water, I stepped on a broken bottle at the bottom of the pond. It put a deep three-inch gash in the instep of my foot. It was bleeding profusely. It was a long walk from the pond back to the main highway, where our cars were parked. So I decided to use a self-healing technique I had read about in a book by Oregon healer, Dr. Jack Schwartz. I wrapped a towel tightly around my foot to help stop the bleeding. I then closed my eyes and went into the deepest state of relaxation and concentration I could muster under the circumstances. I then visualized a three-dimensional mirror image of myself sitting opposite me. I then expanded that image until it was about as big as the statue of Abraham Lincoln at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. I then imagined walking over to the statue of Jack Canfield and found a door in the site that said maintenance room. I went in, took out chicken wire, cement, paint, and a variety of tools. I then went to the cut foot, patched it with chicken wire, covered it with cement and plaster, watched it dry, and painted it until it looked like the rest of the human statue of Jack. Next, I put the tools away closed the door and sat back down inside myself. Finally, I shrank the statue back down to normal size and imagined rejoining with it, becoming me again in my mind. This whole process took about 15 to 20 minutes. When I opened my eyes and looked at my foot, the bleeding had stopped and there was no scab. There was just a little flap of clean skin there. The deep cut had miraculously closed itself. I proceeded to walk the three quarters of a mile back to the road. I limped slightly, but the cut did not reopen. The next day, I played volleyball barefoot. A doctor who had been part of our group told me that he was truly amazed. He said that normally such a cut would take five stitches and days to repair itself. It is truly amazing what our bodies can do when the healing pass and energies of the mind and spirit are properly used. Aim for total well-being. As we mentioned at the beginning of this chapter, health is only one element of well-being, albeit a most important one. Good health allows us to balance our lives, gives us the energy to move toward prosperity, to give and receive love, to enhance our mental, social and spiritual growth. We'd like to conclude this chapter with the true story of Patty Wilson of Orange County, California. At a young and tender age, Patty was told by her doctor that she was an epileptic. Her father, Jim Wilson, is a morning jogger. And one day she smiled through her teenage braces and said, Daddy, what I'd really love to do is run with you every day, but I'm afraid I'll have a seizure. Her father told her, if you do, I know how to handle it. So let's start running. That's just what they did every day. It was a wonderful experience for them to share. And there were no seizures at all while she was running. After a few weeks, she told her father, Daddy, what I'd really love to do is break the world's long distance running record for women. Her father checked the Guinness book and found that the farthest any woman had ever run was 80 miles. 
Patty thought about that a long time. Then, as a freshman in high school, she announced, I'm going to run from Orange County up to San Francisco, a distance of 400 miles. As a sophomore, she went on, I'm going to run to Portland, Oregon, over 1,500 miles. As a junior, I'll run to St. Louis, about 2,000 miles. As a senior, I'll run to the White House, more than 3,000 miles away. In view of her handicap, Patty was being as ambitious as she was enthusiastic. But she said she looked at the handicap of being an epileptic as simply an inconvenience. She focused not on what she had lost, but on what she had left. That year, she completed her run to San Francisco, wearing a t-shirt that read, I love epileptics. Her dad ran at her side every mile, and her mom, a nurse, followed in a motorhome behind them in case anything went wrong. Talk about high-quality family relationships. In her sophomore year, Patty's classmates got behind her. They built a giant poster that read, Run, Patty, run. This has since become her motto and the title of a book she's written. But on her second marathon, en route to Portland, she fractured a bone in her foot. A doctor told her she had to stop her run. He said, I've got to put a cast on your ankle so that you don't sustain permanent damage. She said, Doc, you don't understand. This isn't just a whim of mine. It's a magnificent obsession. I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it to break the chains on the brains that limit so many others. Isn't there a way I can keep running? He gave her one option. He could wrap the ankle in adhesive. It would be incredibly painful. And he told her, it will blister. She told the doctor to wrap it up. She finished the run to Portland, completing her last mile with the governor of Oregon. You may have seen the headlines. Super runner Patty Wilson ends marathon for epilepsy on her 17th birthday. After four months of almost continuous running, Patty went to Washington and shook the hand of the President of the United States. She told him, I wanted people to know that epileptics are normal human beings with normal lives. Mark told this story at one of his seminars not long ago, and afterward a big teary-eyed man came up to him and stuck out his meaty hand and said, My name is Jim Wilson. You were talking about my daughter, Patty. He told Mark that because of her noble efforts, enough money had been raised to open up 19 multi-million dollar epileptic centers around the country. If Patty Wilson can do so much with so little, what can you do to outperform yourself in a state of total wellness?